Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books. Hello and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. If you're joining us for the first time, Trail Mix is the short format episodes of our show. While our long format episodes explore one hiking trail in one national park, one park at a time, Trail Mix allows us to dive deeper into things we didn't get to cover in our long format episodes. That's right. And this Trail Mix episode is all about fossils in the Badlands, specifically Badlands National Park. So what comes to mind when you hear fossils? The term fossils is just like a term I feel like we learned when we were young in school. Yeah. For like, you know, earth science in like elementary school. So I think of fossils and I think of bones, but that's not necessarily what a fossil is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that there is just like a lot of things in education, specifically science-based education, there's a lot of, I don't want to say misinformation, but there's a lot of incomplete information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like fossils only gets brought up with dinosaurs. Right. And I feel like, you know, if anything, the movie Jurassic Park taught us all about fossils or assumedly Uh, what fossils are. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. But also like, I feel like there's a... That was the delivery method, I I feel like there's this sort of connotation or this, I guess, misrepresentation that fossils only like exist in museums or fossils are, you know, something that have been found and then we've now put them in a museum or a place and preserved them. Right, right, right. But the idea that like fossils can be all around us is just not like a common common thing that people talk about. <laughs> but it's true fossils can be all around us let's start with what is a fossil quickly defined it is the remains or the impression of a prehistoric i say in quotation marks organism i say prehistoric because like technically that is a colonizing term sure because Meaning that history didn't start before people arrived. History or didn't start before white people started writing it down. Yeah. So we have a problem with this word. <laughs> 
fossils are evidence of life or evidence of creature disturbance. And sometimes it is specific to evidence of life occurring beyond 10,000 years ago prior to the most recent ice age. There are three ways that fossils are created. The first is molding. This is when an imprint of an organism has been preserved in some way. For example, the shape of an animal imprinted in a rock or boulder would be considered molding. The second is casting. This happens as a second step after a molding. First, a mold of an organism is created in a stone, then ash, silt, and other natural materials fill the mold, creating the precise shape of an organism. This is considered casting. These are both sculptural terms as well, and also basically <laughs> the sculptural definitions too, folks. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Welcome to um, Where Science and Art Meet. That's right. On my other podcast, which I don't have a, I have a working the title. The Arts and Sciences. <laughs> no, no. There's no. a better term somewhere. Sure. I'll come up with it by the end of the episode. The third is permineralization, also often called petrification. This occurs when the natural materials of an organism, like bones or wood, is turned into rock, but still preserves some of its original biological components. In a moment, we're going to get into the details about why the area of land, also known as Badlands National Park, is in fact covered in fossils. But something to note, there is no fossil collecting allowed in Badlands National Park, as it is a national park and nothing can be removed, in the same way that you cannot take petrified wood from the Petrified Forest National Park. Same goes for fossils in Badlands. Also, any paleontologist who has any amount of integrity to their work never removes a fossil without permission. So do the right thing and do not take any fossils. Later, we'll also share with you what to do if you happen upon a fossil in Badlands National Park. So how did Badlands National Park become covered in fossils? During the Cretaceous period, Pangaea had started to split into the major continents we know today, around 75 million years ago. The area that would later also be referred to as North America has a sea running right down the middle of it. Down down and across what we also now call the Midwest. The Great Plains was covered by the shallow water sea called the Western Interior Seaway. The area of land, also now known as Badlands National Park, was at the floor of this seaway. Remnants and evidence of this seafloor can still be seen today in Badlands National Park in the form of pier shale, a gray-black sedimentary rock layer. The pier shale is chock full of fossils of animals whose remains landed on the seafloor and have stayed there for millions of years. Aren't fossils just the coolest thing? Right, they are. And if you listen to our earlier episode about the science of Badlands, then you'll know all about the Western Interior Seaway and why some of these animals may have ended up at the bottom of this ocean mm-hmm. when the ocean at points had become anoxic or lacking oxygen or um, at a very minimal level of oxygen pushing up my nerd glasses. Yes, you are. (laughs) And as plate tectonics would have it, the earth shifted. Plates shifted under other plates, causing the land, now also known as Badlands National Park, to rise up and the water to recede. During this time, the area was a subtropical forest and received ample rainfall throughout the year. And it stayed like this for about 4 million years. Then, eventually, the temperatures of this area became cooler and the air drier, creating the grassland land landscape that is familiar today. The buttes seen in Badlands today were created from fossilized soils and are rich 
rich with fossils from the millions of years of when it was still underwater. There are two major spots in Badlands for fossils. The first is the Shadron, which contains sedimentary rock from 34 to 37 million years ago. This was during the area's subtropical era. The second is the Brule, which contains sedimentary rock from 29 to 34 million years ago and contains one of the largest collection of fossil mammals in the world. Both of these sit atop the Pier Shale. So something to note about these different layers in Badlands National Park is that they're sort of visually organized and sort of talked about in the same way that we might talk about the early aughts, the 90s, the 80s, and the 70s, mm-hmm. these decades of our lives. However, this is <laughs> not my life. tens of millions of years. Well, they're all decades in your life. Not the 70s. Oh, honey, let's not tell life. <laughs> the 60s, all the way to the, the 40s mm-hmm, for you, mm-hmm. girl. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm That's Scott right. Bakula, and this is Quantum <laughs> Leap. <laughs> all of these sedimentary rock layers, which from the bottom up go like pure shale, then yellow mounds, then Shadron, then Brule, and then what they call up at the top, the Sharps, are literally examples of tens of millions of years in like different yeah. areas and different animals that uh, roamed and different kinds of earth that Mm -hmm. was there. Mm -hmm. The Pier Shell, which dates back to 75 million years ago, was an active area during the time of the dinosaurs. However, dinosaurs were land creatures and not sea creatures. Therefore, there are no dinosaur fossils found in this layer of sedimentary rock. The oldest fossils discovered by science are single-celled organisms. However, the study of vertebrate paleontology owes many thanks to the fossils found in this area, also known as Badlands National Park, or the White River Badlands. The start of vertebrate paleontology dates back to early fossil collection in this area around 1840. When a fossil of a lower jaw with molars was found in this area by a fur trader, it ignited a fossil rush to this area in 1843. Joseph Lady, who is known as the father of vertebrate paleontology in America, was able to identify and name 84 fossil vertebrates based on his study of the fossils from the White River Badlands area. Now many of the fossils found in this area can be seen in the South Dakota Museum of Geology. Okay, so I want you to think back to school when you were in school. Okay. Not when you were teaching school earlier today. Was there a time where you learned about fossils outside of dinosaurs? No. Um, let me retract that. Um, maybe, but it's very vague. I just remember, and this is obviously not fossils, but I do remember like having to dissect an owl pellet, and I'm wondering if in some way that somehow was conflated at the same time, like of bone discovery, and then, you know what I mean? Like a pellet of owl poop? Yeah, like their throw, I think an owl pellet is actually the the throw up of an owl, and it's like a little big, it came in like a tinfoil wrapper, like a baked potato, and we had to pick out the bones, Oh, and then like we had to like glue, like usually they were mice that you would find in there. You'd find mice inside of the owl pellets? You'd find the bone. Of mice, because they ate mice. Yeah, and then you would have, then you would pick them out. And then, like, we glued them to black paper and we could take it home. That was pretty macabre, wasn't it? Wow. (laughs) I know so much more about you Mm -hmm. and why you are the way you are. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I had to not... No, I never dissected an owl pellet like that. I did dissect a cat. Oh, yeah, you dissected cats oh. in anatomy and physiology class. Oh, I did a rat. No, I also did a frog, but mm. I feel like that was sort of, that's common. Um, yeah, I did a squid. 
and a, and a um a worm mm. and a uh, bivalve of some sort. We I did a worm, I believe, and then um uh, as my science teacher called it, a sea star oh. because we could not say starfish. That was the wrong term. Oh. Yes, but we dissected sea stars. Oh, yeah, which is like God. I mean, I get why, but I also am like, oh my God, that's so cruel. <laughs> you know what I mean, I mean they were dead. They were. I know. I know. We took a very weird turn. <laughs> we did. We yeah, did. But so I don't think that I did have like much fossil interaction other than dinosaurs. And again, I think a lot of that was also because my heyday was the 90s. <laughs> right. And Jurassic Park was like so big when we were kids. You oh, know I what know. I mean? I think I that sort of blew any sort of education out of the water because it was like dinosaurs can be real. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is America, everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Since fossils do not only mean the remains of dinosaurs, and since this area of land is covered in fossils that are not dinosaur fossils, let's look at what creatures' fossilized remains are found in the area, also known as Badlands National Park. While one of the most commonly found fossils in the Pierce Shale are ammonites, (laughs) the ammonites, did you find them? Out here when we were walking. Mm-hmm. I'm just accessing Kate Winslet now. This area is known for its fossil mammals, including more known animals like horses, camels, rabbits, rodents, and rhinoceroses. Other non-mammal fossils that can also be found in this area include snails, turtles, birds, lizards, crabs, clams, and crocodiles. Some specific and lesser known creatures whose fossils have also been found in this area include archelons, which are like giant sea turtles, pterosaurs, which sound like a dinosaur but isn't and was a flying reptile, and hesperoni, which is a which sounds like a drink. It's like I'll have a hesperoni on the rocks, <laughs> which is a bird similar to a modern loon, which is what you are. <laughs> <laughs> Both is. which were known and are known for diving into water. Let's dive deeper into some of the creatures who did live in this area of land millions of years ago, and whose fossils can still be found there today. Let's start with the Brontother. Fairly resembling a rhinoceros, the first fossil of this creature shows a size similar to a dog. Its size grew to that of a rhinoceros of today over 20 million years. And that's 20 million years of evolution for you. Unlike a rhino, a Brontother has longer legs and two side-by-side horns that can grow up to three feet long. It was an herbivore that ate the lush green growth that once appeared in the Shadron Formation, where its fossils can be found today. Its first fossils were discovered in 1846 and have been one of the star fossils of this area since. This creature's name was derived from the Lakota legend of giants who created thunderstorms. The name Brontother means thunder beast. Next up are the apex predator of this time, the mosasaur. This creature that could get up to 50 feet long was a marine lizard that lived around 70 million years ago. Given their size, they needed to eat often, which is probably why their fossils were found in areas that were once shallow waters, because of the abundance of prey available in this kind of area. While at the top of their food chain, they did have to worry about attacks from other mosasaurs. While mosasaurs do sound like the name of a dinosaur and did live at the same time of dinosaurs, it is not a dinosaur. It is a marine lizard. I'm going to need a little more attitude from you on the phrase, it is not a dinosaur. It is a marine lizard. (laughs) It is not a dinosaur. It is a marine lizard. And I love that you went Southern. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Next up is the Oreodont. 
which lived between 5 and 40 million years ago, and is abundant in the Brule Formation, most closely related to a camel. When they lived, they looked like a mix between a camel and a pig and a sheep. That's a wild combination. That is. But if My you brain can imagine, <laughs> they have some fantastic like illustrations mm. of sort of what they looked like at Badlands in the fossil lab, but also um, on the website mm-hmm. if you search there. They roamed this area when it had begun transitioning into grasslands. Their name is derived from the Greek words for mountain and tooth because the shape of their teeth kind of resemble small mountain ranges. Another is the Nimravid, which most closely resembles a cat, though belongs to a different family classification. Nimravids, which were carnivores, were much larger, and rather than walking on their toes like cats of today, they would have walked flat-footed like bears. They also had large saber teeth. So could you imagine (laughs) happening upon one of these? It's a cat that's sort of gigantic and walks like a bear and has giant saber teeth. It would be your dream? Unless I had a laser pointer, the answer is now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think laser pointers could work? Probably. So when I was doing the research for this episode, something else that I came across, which was unexpected, was a sort of, I'll call it a sect of geology mm. called creation geology. No, no. Mm-hmm. So no. <laughs> now there's no sort of official scientific sort of... Um, I, it's more of a catch-all term, is what I'll say, for sort of people interested, who are scientists, who are interested in using science to help prove specifically stories from the Bible, stories of creation. There are quite a few... You cre- forgot the quotes around that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Creation. There are quite a few um, creation geologists mm-hmm. who feel like or who seem to believe that the abundance of fossils in Badlands National Park is proof of like the no- Garden of Eden? Noah and the Ark. Oh. Because there are so many animals ah. in one place. So yeah, I did find this very interesting article about this person getting a tour and they were getting a tour from a, pa- a PhD paleontologist who was like, and this obviously is from the Great Flood and um, and the Ark and all the animals that were here. And it was like, he was like, it that just totally changed, like the whole temperature of the uh-huh. tour. So yeah. You don't say. Right, mm-hmm. right. I think I would really appreciate someone just being forthcoming with their creation geology, if that's what I'm about to get a spoonful mm. of, <laughs> so that I can I'm at ready least to be prepared get for the that. Ipecac and then throw it all up. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. No thanks. So yes, <laughs> that was a little bit of a surprise. I was like, "Huh, this is a very interesting article about fossils in Badlands, but why is it coming from this creationist science website?" Mm. Yeah, that was the fun, and that's where discovery. I sourced the whole episode from. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike, I'm going to give you one guess. Mm-hmm. It's this is all or nothing. All the money mm-hmm. of all the things you can think of. What do you think? is the greatest threat to fossils in our world today. Is it climate change? I'm going to give you a second (laughs) guess. (laughs) Climate change was also created by this. What is man? Thank you. (laughs) Okay, let's maybe use the more inclusive word. What is human? No, no, it was man. Man, Men did it. Men did it. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't even drag women into this. It was white men. So, Jesus um, Christ. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh uh-huh. Yep. 
Okay, so cool. people, as it will come as no surprise to anyone, humans are the greatest threat to survival and preservation of fossils. This has become so much of an issue that the Department of Interior had to get involved. In the fall of 2022, the Department of Interior put a new rule into place regarding fossils. The rule mostly involves expanding fossil resources so that park rangers and staff are able to accurately document and inventory the fossils present in any given NPS site. Fossil theft is real and fossil negligence is real. The National Park Service documents hundreds of incidents every year of folks stealing or attempting to steal fossils. A prime example of this is the Fossil Cycad National Monument in South Dakota, which contained plant fossils from over 120 million years ago. This area experienced such a high volume of theft that eventually there were no more fossilized remains, and the national park system was forced to decommission the area because they could no longer justify spending the money to federally protect it. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Ain't that some... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Watch out, petrified forest. Uh- I know. Well, that's probably why. I mean, they are allowed to search cars at any point in time. Don't put petrified wood in your car, girl. It ain't Mm -hmm. worth it. Go to the little gem store down Mm -hmm. the street. Get your petrified wood there, Mm -hmm. like the rest of us, Mm -hmm. in small little token size shapes. Mm -hmm. And these new protections will hopefully help to reduce this theft and negligence. Badlands National Park will certainly benefit from these new protections. Fossil poaching has been a serious issue for this area. It has gone so far that it gave us the first example of a felony conviction on the grounds of fossil poaching in 1995. But in recent years, fossil poaching has gone down significantly, specifically through direct engagement with visitors. So what do you do if you're visiting Badlands National Park and you find a fossil? Because it happens all the time. This is directly from the NPS. Quote, if you find a fossil in Badlands National Park, the most important thing to remember is not to remove or move the fossil from its original position. First, note the fossil's location. Use a trail map or your phone to mark its location. GPS coordinates are helpful if you can get them. Please do not indicate where the fossil is by building rock cairns, drawing in the formations, or otherwise indicating the site in person. Next, take a picture of the fossil. Use something for scale, like a dollar bill, a water bottle, or a hand if possible. Taking pictures from multiple angles may help our paleontologists identify what kind of fossil it is. Then report what you found at any visitor center. Let a ranger know that you found a fossil and ask for a report. This report will ask for information about the fossil, its whereabouts, and your contact information. And finally, stay in touch. Using the contact information you provide, our paleontologists will keep you updated about what you found and if it gets collected for preparation. End quote. So... Before we end this episode, let's talk about the fossils we found in Badlands National Park. Well, I'm looking right at them. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, No, we didn't find any fossils in Badlands (laughs) National Park. Um, We thought it might be cool, but we didn't find any. We did not. We also weren't like hunting for them. No. Necessarily. Not that like we went there to fossil hunt. Because no. that is the term. We did not do that. We Mm-mm. went there to experience the formations in the Badlands. Absolutely. The sources for this episode include the U.S. Department of Interior, the National Park Conservation Association, the article The Fossils of the Badlands, published in BH Visitor Magazine, and the National Park Service. And now, let's end this episode with a game. So... 
understanding that obviously most of the fossils in this park are not dinosaur fossils, but also knowing that Jurassic Park was a big film in our lifetime. True. um, I chose to write a Jeopardy that's based off of the Mr. DNA speech from Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give the part of the speech where Mr. DNA um, explains how they were able to extract the DNA from the mosquito and then turn that into a dinosaur. However, instead of DNA, the quote ends famously with, bingo, dino DNA. Instead of dino DNA, you're going to have to come up with another acronym of something that's real that has an A at the end of it. Wait, an acronym? Uh, not an acronym. Uh, another like abbreviation? Well, DNA is an acronym. Oh, DNA. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. Another acronym. <laughs> Another acronym. Will it always have dino in front of it? Yes, it'll be... You'll see. You'll understand oh, by okay. the clues. Oh, got okay. it. Okay, great. And I, th- I think you're going to get this and hopefully enjoy it. <laughs> great. I'm ready okay. for it. Great. For 100. This fossilized tree sap, which we call amber, waited for millions of years with your tax records inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated monetary counting techniques, W-2s, and 1099s, they extracted the revenue from the tax records, and bingo. Oh, it ends with A mm-hmm. or no? It will have all of these will end in an A. All these acronyms will oh, end in an God. A. Oh, God. I'm thinking Dino IRS, but mm-hmm. that's wrong. Think about who might prepare your tax oh, documents. Oh, <laughs> what is a Dino CPA? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, your the voice is perfect. You nail on the voice. <laughs> Thank you. And, the, and all of it. I'm like, well, I have to give the right inflection back. All right. Okay, great. Ready? I'm ready for, for 200. 200. This fossilized tree sap, which we call amber, waited for millions of years with your dental records inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated brushing and flossing techniques, they extracted the plaque from your mouth and bingo. Oh, God. I don't know. Okay, so a dentist is a, is a DMD. So think about the overall organization that they might belong to if they were in the United States. Oh, is it the, um, is it the UDA? It's not UDA. It's the, oh, the ADA. Um, what is Dano ADA? <laughs> That's correct. The American Dental, Dental Association. Association. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Great. All right. For 300. This is the best category. <laughs> You're doing great work. I'm ready. For 300. This fossilized tree sap, which we call amber, waited for millions of years with this professional writing format inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated writing techniques, they extracted the citations from your college papers and bingo. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There are two options here. There's the other. What is Dano APA or Dano MLA? We're going to go with the second one. <laughs> I'll accept both. Though. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Woo. This was a punchy episode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. For 400. This fossilized tree sap, which we call amber, waited for millions of years with your alias inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated techniques, they extracted your assumed names and alternate identities from your records from your records and bingo. What is a Dano, a.k.a.? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> 
And not that I want this category to ever end, but no. for 500. This fossilized tree sap, which we call amber, waited for millions of years with your flight plan inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated radar techniques and relative distance from place to place, they extracted a proposed itinerary for passengers and their final destinations in connecting flights and bingo. Oh, God, I'm stumped. Okay, so I know it's like, well, I would have guessed itinerary or... Okay, so it's flight plan. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And bingo. Dino ETA. Oh, ETA. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like it was a shortened, abbreviated version of like, what is an agenda? Mm-mm. Okay, great. Oh, that was a great category, mm-hmm. girl. I hope you <laughs> feel you. very good about yourself. I do. I feel great. great. <laughs> I do. I do. I feel great. <laughs> and bingo. Dino gay. This has been Gays at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and Dino DNA is always out there. Gays at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gays at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. <laughs> and to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. Bingo! That's G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the gay shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger with Sean Skleos on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Bingo, Middlesex County, New Jersey. 